0: All right, hey, a couple of reminders, and then we will dive in. How many of you uh, entered the, the um, Chewbacca Roar contest? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so it's a national contest, apparently, that every year on April Fool's Day they put these signs up that say, uh, enter the Chewbacca Roar contest, call the number, leave a message, and the winner gets $250. And so, uh, so I entered the contest. I don't know if I won or not, but apparently um, it's a national thing that people do on, on April Fool's Day. What I heard today is that it's someone who got divorced, and it's his way of getting back at his ex-wife. And so you don't want to get married and get divorced because you might get a bunch of messages that make you sound like Chewbacca. So don't do that. All right, page 25 in your books. Most of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Google it. Okay, We uh, take attendance, and so make sure you grab your name tags every week. If you have questions, you can text into the number that is on the slide and on the table tent in the middle of your table. I will do some Q&A with our speakers tonight. The topic is communication and conflict, and so you're going to hear five mistakes couples make with communication and conflict. You'll have discussion time, hear five more, and then have uh, more discussion time after that. It is going to be a great night, incredibly practical, helpful, a lot of great scripture that speaks to this topic, and so I think you're really, really going to love it tonight. Your speakers tonight are Lance and Mandy Sisko, uh, married 12 years, 12 years, 12 and a half? Yeah, they, uh, Mandy went to Baylor, so get your bear call up, okay? I? I did not ask you Aggies to hiss or whatever you make, I just asked for the Baylor Bears, and then Lance went to OSU, not Ohio State. Real OSU, Go Pokes, Oklahoma State University. Four children, uh, three boys, one girl. Lance is our director of newly married ministry. He does a great job in his role, and they do an awesome job teaching on this. One of the things that we talked about last week was purity. And so I'm just going to, we spent a lot of time on it. I'm going to give you a couple real quick thoughts. So, um, one is (laughs) uh, right when I started, actually, before I started, we gave the purity pledge out. And there was a typo on the purity pledge and it wasn't like you can go from a three to a four. It was like, it used to go one through 12 and somehow it was like anal sex was one of them and oral sex was one of them. And it was the typo said, basically you can have oral sex. And so people loved it. And we have not made that mistake again. Another time, my favorite story about the purity pledge took place a few years ago. We built a room over there called the loft and it was the first time the loft was being used. We had uh, been there in there one week. The second week rolled around, and one of my friends was on stage doing the similar stuff I'm doing right now, giving announcements, talking about the purity pledge. And he starts going on. And it was like a comedy routine about dry humping and grinding and oral sex. And all of a sudden, some guy comes running into the back of the room. He says, you've got to stop talking now. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm on staff here. I got it covered. This is a pre-married class. He says, well, you are um, – you may not know this, but you are not just speaking into the room. It's actually projecting into the parking lot as people drive up. The other problem is that it was a Tuesday night. And so if you know what happens on Tuesday nights here, you know that the porch goes on on Tuesday nights. And so all of these young adults were trying to get into Merge that night. It was really, really fun. And so apparently they'd been messing with the stuff back there. And uh, we announced all that stuff to children and single people. It was, it was great. Um, the whole deal with purity, you read it, I hope, I hope it challenged you. Uh, I talked about it last week and I, I just want to remind you that this is our way of helping you know what the Bible says about purity. We want to help you in your relationship. We want you to not be blinded. Okay. And so in other words, when you are intimate with one another, you are reaping benefits that will prevent you from seeing the mer- the relationship clearly. And so one of the things that we can do is to help you see your relationship as clearly as possible without being distracted by the benefits that should come on the marriage side, not on the pre side. And so in other words, if you have trouble with communication and conflict, if your expectations are radically misaligned, if you have different thoughts about Jesus but the sex is really good, you think you can overlook all the other stuff. And we want to help you see your relationship clearly. And so that is one way that we think we can help you get just what God's design is for relationships and what it is for marriage. And I want you to know just loud and clear, God is not trying to rip you off. He's not up in heaven or with us in his spirit saying, I want to make pre-married couples miserable. In fact, he wants to give us life. And so this is one of the ways that we can really understand who he is and see our relationship clearly. Uh, We challenged couples in the past to sign the purity pledge on the wedding day, you get to tear up the purity pledge. And I told our couples, if you ever do that, I want you to send me a picture. And so a few years go by, and here's a picture of my friends Chad and Barbara. They got married. They got to tear up their purity pledge. That was probably six years ago I got that picture. I've got about 30 of them now. It's really fun just to see couples realize that we can do this. Purity is is difficult. But man, it's really fun to rip up your purity pledge and then Rip each other's clothes off, okay? And so enjoy it, and we think it will help you immensely. We also gave you a contest last week, and so uh, we said take a picture of you and your significant other in your favorite college team gear with your Merge book. And so I'm going to show you a few of the of the samples that we got in. And so um, I don't remember all the names, but we got... Uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of maroon in these pictures. And so we've got Oklahoma State and maroon. And then this is just two leaders... Fully clothed, but sitting on the toilet together. Really weird. They are not going to win. Next picture. Okay, we got TCU and OU. Next. How many, I know we got lots of TCU and OU people here. A nice Aggies. There's a lot of maroon in that picture, unfortunately. <laughs> Strong Aggies doing their work. I like it. Next one. Good. We got Texas Tech and Texas Tech and Texas Tech. Is it? Where is it? Yeah, Good. Excellent, out of tech repping reppin tonight, and then I think there's two more. Good, what do we got going on there? SMU? Right, and what's the other one? Purdue. No, not that one, the one, are they both SMU And that one? Where are you? Okay, good, two SMU, and then we got Purdue, I love that. Excellent, all right, so what I want is uh, the six of you, I just want one representative from each of those couples, you don't get to play. But the six just wanted the man or the woman to come up here. We got a little prize. It doesn't have to be girls. It could be girl or boy, whatever you want. So it is Easter this week. And so Beth had a great idea. We're going to do a little Easter egg contest. Come up on stage. I won't make you do anything embarrassing. All right, we got one more. All right, one of the couples is missing. You got to be present to win. I'm going to take this one away. Okay close your eyes. We're start with you. Pick one. Good. I told you to close your eyes. Okay. I need eyes. No, you can just pick the one that's left. All right, go ahead and open them up. Oh, we got nothing in blue, nothing in orange, nothing in green, nothing in pink, and you got a Snickers. Is that right? Milky Way, all right, there's your prize, you win, congratulations, the rest of you got nothing, so you can keep your egg, and actually, we do have it for you winning, you get a little date night kit put together by Beth, that's really awesome, buca de pepo and some more chocolates, and the rest of you, I just want to remind you, just like the egg was empty, so was the tomb, and so little Jesus juke there, we all win, even though you got nothing, all right, hey, let me, uh, no, you, keep, you can keep that, I promise, I don't want it. All right, let me uh, let me pray, and then Cisco's, why don't you come on up after I pray. God, thanks for tonight. I pray that tonight would be really helpful for these couples. I pray that we would learn how to communicate and conflict in a way that honors you. I pray for Lance and Mandy as they lead us. And um, God, I pray that this would be a topic that is extremely helpful for every single one of us, for the married couples for those that are dating, for those who are engaged. And God, help us to honor you in every single way, the way that we communicate and talk with one another. Help us to not be selfish and be um, just communicate out of our flesh, but to honor you in every way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good? All right. Awesome. Hey, uh, so I don't know about you, but I kind
1: of thought that little Easter basket thing was a little lame as the prize. Uh, no offense, Scott. I mean, way to go. Uh, but I thought, why don't we give away, like, let's give away something killer. And so my wife and I, sometimes we try to think of ways, hey, how can we be generous? And so we thought, we were sitting back there talking, we were like, hey, what if we gave away an iPad? And so here's the deal. I, I know there, there were eggs out there. And so our whole deal is who had the orange egg? So Oklahoma State, orange egg, do you still have it? Sweet. Okay. You got to show me. You got to show me. Sweet. So cool. Okay. So here, this is an iPad for you. And so, uh, just thanks. Way to go. Yeah. No, thanks for playing. It really is. Yeah. An iPad. So yeah, put your hands together. That's a real, that's a real prize. I get it. See, some of you, some of you thought like a real iPad, right? (laughs) Hey, uh, no, it is. It's cool to be here with you guys tonight. Cool to get to share with you guys about this topic. And as Scott mentioned, my wife and I have been married about 12 years. We've got four kids. And I actually think we have a cool shot of those guys. Um, that's about as still as they get. And somehow we captured that picture on timer, which was awesome. But each of our kids, I tell you, are incredibly unique. Okay, you've got our oldest is Allie. She's nine. She's kind of our thoughtful girl. She's, she's super helpful. She's a reader. You know, and as we know, readers are leaders. And uh, I mean, literally, she's just like, she goes, Dad you should know, I read a chapter in each of these books a day, you know? And it's like, I'm like, great, that's awesome. But she's like future CEO. Caleb, who's our eight-year-old, he's on the far left. He's kind of the dreamer. He's like the guy that's always like, hey, dad, what if? Um, He's like the Harry Potter reading, Lego making, like Minecraft building. He, I mean, just his brain's always just like moving and going. Riley, who's right there in the middle, he's a He's kind of the, the kid that we're, I mean, we just call him our fireball. You know, you just, a lot of times you're like, you don't know what you're going to get. And so for him, like, he's either going to change the world or end up in prison. And so, like, we are constantly just trying to go, come on, buddy, let let's go this way. And, and it's been so cool to watch him grow over the years and to see that growth and to go, okay, I think it's changed the world. I think that's where we're headed. Um, our youngest is Griffin. He's four and he's kind of our jokester, the funny man. And, uh, he kind of knows jokes that are probably a little bit older for his age. Um, and so it's kind of funny, kind of like, Oh gosh, why did he say that? You know? And, and so he's a kid that's typically smiling even when he's disobedient. Uh, he's also our naked kid a lot. You know, every family has the naked kid. He's ours. Um, even outside, which is crazy. But, uh, but I start there on just their uniqueness because each of you in this room are unique. Okay? And, and those unique differences that you have make communication really difficult. Okay? It, it can. And, and, and so we, we know that uh, because you're different and because the way you communicate, the way you hear things, the way you say things, it can easily make it really challenging for us.
2: And we. We have a couple of things that we want to just get out and make clear before we get started. One of them is, I think Scott kind of alluded to this already, that if this topic isn't addressed, then all the other topics that you guys cover and merge are going to be even more difficult because if you can't communicate on the different topics, then you've got a real problem, you know? And so we really feel like this is an important one and we're so blessed to be able to talk to you about it, but we are not here because we're good at it. In fact, every time we give this talk, there's usually some kind of a blow up between the two of us. Um, She's right. Le- leading up to it, you know. And we avoided one this time. We I kind yeah. of. I had a major meltdown yesterday, but it wasn't because of him. So, um, <clears throat>
1: Winning right there,
2: right? <laughs> um, but we are, we are learning and we are growing and every time, um, hopefully getting a little bit stronger in this area. Um, and then we also feel like this is a really important topic because we, our hope for you is that you will be a marriage and have a family, grow a family where peace and unity reigns in your home. I would think that everyone in here would agree that that's the kind of marriage that we would want to have. We want that for you, and this is really going to help in that area, because if you can communicate and you can even conflict about things in a healthy way, then peace is going to reign and win out in the end. Um, And then the other thing is that Lance and I come from two totally different backgrounds when it comes to this. Um, My parents growing up, they didn't argue about a single thing in front of their children. They always had the closed door policy. So I actually never knew my parents argued. And that seems silly to say now, but as a child and growing up, I never heard them have a, an argument. I never saw any resolution. And so the first time that Lance and I argued, I really thought it was bad. This is really bad that we're arguing. And, that, and I, I kind of felt like our marriage was crumbling, you know, and just because of the example that I had been given.
1: Yep. And for me, my parents totally different. My parents fought all the time. And it could be about little things. It could be about big things. But all, what I always saw happen was it's just, it just escalated and escalated and name-calling and frustration. And, and then it got done and it was over. And I was like, oh, okay. And then nothing got better. And then it just happened again. And it was escalated. It was escalated. It was escalated. And so for me, like, I try to avoid conflict because I just for a lot of my life, I just didn't see that it had any purpose. I didn't see that there was any real reason to it. So it's a big deal. So I think for us, the, the big question tonight is why is it so challenging? And for some of you, you're sitting there tonight and you're going, hey, we, just, we don't have that problem, so we'll sit and listen to you, and, but, and thanks again for just making time. But that's not our issue. And, and what I'll just tell you is it, 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 it will be and, uh, at some point. Uh, and so here's the deal. Like, the difficulty with communication is really learning how to care for someone enough to fully listen and understand their perspective. Okay, it really is, to care enough to listen and just fully understand their perspective. Um, John Gottman is kind of this famed marriage guru, and he brings these couples out, and he does all this, like, testing and interviews them and all this stuff, and he's basically, he basically says that he can predict divorce with 87% accuracy in couples, okay? And, and like, he has the stats to back this up, okay? So he brings them out, tells them about that, and he said the number one predictor of divorce is the inability to resolve conflict, okay? Okay? And so as we share tonight, for some of you, this will be game changer, okay? It will. It'll be a huge game changer in the way that you communicate, the way that you resolve conflict. For some of you, it's just going to be refresher, okay? You grew up in homes where you communicated well, and your parents expected that of you, and and you've continued to do that. And then for others, you, again, we just said, like, you'll probably be completely oblivious to your need for this, and that's okay. Um, But here's why this is important. Like, your spouse is going to change, okay? And And that's to be expected. Like, I know for us, 12 years... We've been married. Like, if I was still acting like the same 23-year-old that walked down that aisle, like, Mandy would be just horribly disappointed in me, right? And, and, and so your spouse is going to change, and, and when that, those changes happen, sometimes our expectations kind of get go unmet. And so what we would just tell you is that 100% of couples who are happily married have communication and conflict if- issues, Okay, they do. Um, and so this stuff is good. I, I think what's great about communication um, is that a lot of these, are, a lot of these things are skills-based, okay, which means you can get better at communicating. It's also great that it's not just for this relationship here that, that, that it's going to help. It can, it can help relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers when you kind of practice these things. And so we're going to try to learn some constructive ways just to handle those differences that you guys have. Um, and so what we're talking through tonight, again, are just kind of ten common communication and conflict mistakes. And and we want to share these mistakes with you uh, so that hopefully you can avoid them, okay, and avoid just some of the damage that comes from doing that.
2: Uh, So mistake number one, for those of you that like your little outline and fill in your blanks, we're on number one. Um, And the first mistake is to believe that the goal of communication is to make sure that you're heard. One of the really unique ways that God created us as humans is our ability to communicate with one another. And somewhere along the line... We kind of blurred those lines, and we decided that um, with this ability to communicate, the purpose was just to be heard. And actually, the purpose is for us to have mutual understanding. It's not just for my voice to be heard, but it's for us to understand one another. Um, Proverbs eighteen two says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And even on April Fool's, we don't want to be foolish. We don't want to just express our opinion. We want to understand one another. So the goal is mutual understanding. And, and we found this little video that we love, and I want to show it to you real quick. <laughs> it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And... And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them.
0: That sounds really
2: hard.
1: It is. Thank
2: you. Ow! Come
1: on! If you would just... Don't!
2: Try to see things my way. Love that video, and um, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Um, you want to seek to understand your significant other and, for the, and to help them to understand you. You don't necessarily even have to agree, but just to have mutual understanding. Um, there's no progress or growth unless you're actually understanding one another.
1: That's good. Okay, mistake number two is not understanding the impact of your words and tone. Okay, And as we serve on the marrying team here at Watermark, we have kind of a front row seat to all different types of marriage issues, um, including our own. And, and one thing we've learned is, is that small things can be the most divisive in marriage, Okay, the little things sometimes. And so I, I'm sure as you even sit there now, you can think back to some of the fights you've had and, and gone, man, that was so little what erupted into something huge and brought out something more. Um, and the thing is with communication is we're taught from an early age uh, that words don't have weight, we are, right? How many, how many of you have heard this, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, which is simply not true, right? And, and in fact, Proverbs 8, uh, 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit.
2: Mm-hmm. Because your words either bring life or they give death. Um, to other people. We tell the Star kids all the time. You're either building people up or you're tearing people down. And it's not just the words you speak, but it's when you speak them and how you speak them. And we define tone as your overall, even just your posture or your attitude. It's not even just the tone necessarily, but it's what your body is saying while you're speaking.
1: Yeah. And so in Colossians 3, uh, um, you know, for those of us who are believers, we kind of get some non-negotiables in the way that we're supposed to interact with others. Um, And so if you're new to all the spiritual stuff, I still think this truth kind of, it has an ability to deeply impact your relationships in a powerful way. But it, it tells us this. It says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all, it says to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Um, and, and so here's the deal. Like, begin to ask yourself, um, or better yet, ask the, your significant other. Just to kind of say, hey, how's my tone when things aren't going my way? how's my tone when we're in conflict and then what you need to do is just kind of really sit back and listen to what they have to say and then at the end of that time just kind of thank them to say hey thank you for sharing that with me because honestly it's going to be relational gold for you guys um, and so what you say and how you say it matters it's a big deal
2: so we're going to go on to mistake three, and we're going to camp out here for a while. It's going to be a long one um, because it's don't, the mistake is that you don't recognize your negative communication patterns. And um, we want you to experience good communication patterns, so we need to show you some of the negative ones that um, – would be better if they were avoided. There's four main destructive communication patterns, and um, we're going to share each of them, and then I'm going to share each of them, and Lance is going to share a strategy on how to get out of that. That's good. So, the first one is called Withdrawal and Avoidance. The, I'm queen of this, queen. Um, and this comes in several different forms. It's an unwillingness to get in or stay in important discussions or conversations. You might leave the room. You might shut down. You might fake peace, like nothing's wrong. I'm real good at that, Lance says. Um, might switch topics or bounce around, steer the conversation away from what's really um, happening. Um, and sometimes people do this through humor, which he's the king of. We always talk about He likes to just crack a funny joke, and maybe we don't have to go there, you know. Um, and I
1: usually get that, it's not funny. It's not funny. am like, noted. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. You might suppress anger if you find yourself erupting all of a sudden. It's because you've suppressed anger for a little bit. That's a, a sign of withdrawal and avoidance. And a lot of times people will just busy their schedules. I don't have time to have that conversation because I've got five meetings and a lunch plan today. Or I have this, this, and this on my calendar. So I just don't have time for that.
1: That's good. Yeah, and so the exit strategy with withdrawing is just stop faking peace, right? And, and begin to kind of learn to deal with the conflict that's before you. And as Mandy mentioned so many times early on in our marriage, it was you know, hey, what's wrong? And she was like, I'm fine, you know? And I'm like, okay, you, you don't sound fine, and you just slammed the dishwasher door. Like, <laughs> this, this isn't fine, right? And see, I think a lot of times we just, we don't, we fear this, the time and the energy it's gonna take to resolve some of this conflict, so we just kind of fake peace, we, we kind of push it away. And, and I think what the pursuer needs to understand, so if you're the one that's trying to pursue someone who's a withdrawer, is just really seeking to better understand their story. Better understand, hey, why do they withdraw? What is it in their past that maybe causes them to do that? Um, Or also ask the question, hey, what is it about me that makes them want to withdraw? Okay, because that can be the place too. Like if if they're always, if you're always yelling, if you're always invalidating, um, if you're unable to see their issues, um, if you only want to win, like these are all ways that they're just going, man, I'm just going to withdraw from that. And so as a pursuer, you want to create a safe place uh, for the person who wants to withdraw so that you can walk through that with them.
2: The next one is escalation. This is number two. And escalation is negative responses to one another that create kind of a snowball effect and that leads to increased hostility or negativity. And this is kind of where the ante is upped just a little bit every time. And you're going to see this either in intensity of the conversation, in anger or volume, um, or even in depth of sarcasm or put downs a lot of times. Um, it's kind of like a tennis ball being lobbed back and forth, you know? And it just gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. Um, and, well, Lance likes to tell this story. I don't, I'd scratch it off. The, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, we, uh, one time it. my family still lives up in Oklahoma and we were traveling up to Oklahoma and we're just driving up there and I, and I feel like for whatever reason, I was just continually just giving her these jabs, right? Just saying these little kind of hurtful things, almost like I was kind of inviting her to the ring, you know? It's kind of like, all right, come on. Let's do this. Come on, bring it. And, uh, and so we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden she just kind of looks at me and she goes, I don't even like you right now, you know? And I was just like, okay, okay. yeah, you're right. And, and what it did for me is it made me kind of take a step back and go, okay, what, what am I doing? This is crazy right now. Probably
2: not the best response for me to have, but that is what I said. (laughs) Um, A great principle for this comes from Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger.
1: Yeah, and so the exit strategy here with this one is just to slow down, okay? Avoid the urge to just kind of blurt out and belittle one another. Um, Proverbs 26.20 says, For a lack of wood, the fire goes out, and when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Okay, and so Mandy talked about this idea of the tennis lobs going back and forth, like someone go first, like go first, Um, and don't be afraid to be the one who loves the most in that situation, you know, like someone has to go first eventually, and so the question then just becomes, why not me? Okay, another way you can handle this is to call a timeout, okay, where you just kind of take a timeout from from the, the argument, the fight that's going on, and we'll come back to that one a little bit later and share more about that one
2: and one of the exit strategies that I use is kind of silly but I'll share it with you anyways is something that I used to do with my 5th graders when I taught school a lot of times for me not to escalate I have to give my tongue a place to rest and I used to tell them to push their tongue up to the roof of their mouth when they were all talking too much so I'll just try it for me it gives me something to do with my mouth besides keep going and it reminds me to stay quiet and it helps me a lot so if it helps somebody in this room then it's a win Okay. The next um, destructive pattern is called negative interpretation. And you guys know what this is. It's when you um, believe that the motive of the other person is actually worse than it really is. And we do this a lot. Um, This is going to creep up, especially in places where you're most insecure. So if you want to put guard against this, then be thinking, what am I most insecure about in my life? Because that is where you are going to negatively interpret the most. It's like if Lance says, what's for dinner, but all I heard him say is, is it going to be as bad as last night? Or if I say to him, hey, what time are you going to be home? But all he heard is, are you going to be late again? You know, it's those kind of comments that can get us in trouble when we think negatively. Um, And sometimes negative interpretation can come in silence when you start thinking, oh gosh, he didn't say anything or she didn't say anything, so you know, and your mind goes to a million different places when really they were just totally unobservant.
1: Yeah. Or even with text messages, right? That happens. You're like, okay, she hadn't responded. Oh gosh, what does he, you know, your brain goes in like a million different directions, right? Um, and so when it comes to negative interpretation, the exit strategy here is to believe the best, don't assume the worst. Believe the best, don't assume the worst. And, and when you doubt, ask for clarification. Okay, just ask. Um, and so don't assume you, you know what they're thinking. Um, talk to them about it. And, and so I think for us, we've found that when we're not connecting well, um, those are the times that we probably negatively interpret the most about one another. But when we're serving each other well, when we're loving each other well, like those are the times that we feel like we're able to, to really ask those questions and not assume the worst in our relationship uh, during that time.
2: And the last one is um, invalidation. Just subtle, indirect put-downs of thoughts, feelings, or the character of someone else. Um, kind of like, the lady with the nail in her head where she was feeling invalidated because he was just wanting to fix it instead of discuss her feelings and how it made her felt. And that was invalidating to her. And this is really going to be manifested with someone who always needs to be right because you will always want to validate your side and invalidate somebody else's. And this creeped up a lot for us early in marriage when I would have frustrations at work and I would come home And he would kind of do that fix it thing. Well, have you tried this? Did you do this? Did you say this? You should have done this. I was an
1: engineer for college, okay? (laughs) Five years, just tell me what's wrong and I'll fix it, It Yeah. It's hard to get over that.
2: And I really did, just like this video, I really did just want him to say, oh my goodness, you must have had a really rough day. And that probably would have stopped all my ranting, you know, right there. Um, But... You, want, um, you don't necessarily want people to fix your problems when you're sharing something. You just want to feel validated. You just want to know, do you understand where I'm coming from and what I'm feeling?
1: Yep. And so the exit strategy here is just to respect one another, right, and, and to really kind of begin to acknowledge their viewpoint. And so I, I think the big thing for me was just, hey, that makes sense, or, hey, I get that. And so really just trying to seek to understand. And so taking that from going the goal, I think a lot of times for me was, was to be right? And, and to realize, hey, the goal is not to be right. Um, it's to seek to understand. And, and so you don't have to agree to validate each other's feelings, right? You don't have to agree to validate each other's feelings. And so all these negative communication patterns, the kind of junior high way to remember this, withdrawal, escalation, negative interpretation, and validation, uh, is just weenie, okay? And so the idea of, hey, don't. Be a weenie, okay? And so some of you laugh at that and kind of like, oh, that's funny, like junior high. And some of you are like, hey, give us something deeper, okay? And so Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those that listen. And so just beginning to ask the question, is what I'm about to say going to build others up? Um, Is what I'm about to say, is it going to benefit those who listen? And so that's a huge one.
2: Okay so now we get to move on mistake number 4 is to assume you are healthy just because you don't fight fighting doesn't necessarily mean yelling and screaming you're going to disappoint and hurt one another you're going to frustrate one another and um, kind of alluded to this earlier, when two self-absorbed people get into a relationship together, there's going to be disagreement there. Um, And so just because the yelling and the screaming isn't there doesn't mean there's necessarily health. Um, In a fallen world, the reality is that all married people are going to conflict. It is inevitable and it should be expected.
1: Good. And and so like we talked about, some of you don't have conflict now uh, because honestly, you're probably not communicating well. Like there's probably things you're kind of glossing over. There's things you're kind of putting under the rug that you're going, hey, I just really want this to work. So hey, we're not going to talk through it. But if you really did start to do that, you you would start to kind of see, hey, we are different. And those differences make this hard. For us, we were in a long distance relationship. So we were four hours apart. And so it was real easy to kind of put our best foot forward over a weekend and for 48 hours. But then when we got married, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is tough, right? Um, And so I think just recognizing the fact that, hey, it's normal to have conflict, but that doesn't mean it's okay to scream and yell, okay? But it is normal, and it's healthy to disagree. And, and so the goal in all this is really to reframe how you look at conflict.
2: Because mm-hmm. Ephesians—oh, wait, I skipped one. What about Romans twelve eighteen? It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you— live peaceably with all. And then Ephesians 4.15 reminds us to speak truth and love. And so Lance talked about reframing that, and the way to reframe it is to see conflict as an opportunity. It's not a roadblock. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to grow spiritually, and it's an opportunity for your relationship to glorify the Lord.
1: That's good. And Paul Tripp, great author, Um, He wrote a book called, What Did You Expect? It's a great book to read if you want to pick that up. And he says, your difficulties with your differences is not an interruption of his plan. They are part of his plan. Okay? And and just to think about that, to go, okay, no, this is part of his plan. And so conflict, it really is. It's an effective instrument of change. And what it does is it reveals those areas in us that truly do need to be refined.
2: Mistake number five is to assume conflict ends when you say, I'm sorry.
1: And so I think the important thing with that is just to, to remember, hey, I'm sorry is important, but be more specific, okay? And, and you think back to when you were a kid, your parents were like, hey, you need to say you're sorry. And a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm sorry. you know. And, and the bad part about that is like we didn't really mean it as a kid. And some of us still have that kind of same habit to just kind of go, hey, sorry. You know, and sorry just is, it doesn't have any weight anymore. And so beginning to kind of give it weight, again, it, it is a huge thing. And, and, and the Bible calls us, honestly, to a different place here, a different level of living. And it's that same verse in Colossians 3. Throw the whole thing up there for you guys. But, you know, put on then, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one is a complaining against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive.
2: I think the neat thing about forgiveness is that um, when you're asking for forgiveness, it brings you to a state of humility, and you actually are asking someone to release you from the hurt and pain that that you caused them, um, which is what forgiveness from our Lord looks like. And so it's just a a picture and an image of that. Um, Real important, too, is that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you can necessarily just run off and forget all about it. And so we recognize that. We know there's some deep hurts and some deep wounds In your future, there may be really deep hurts and really deep wounds. We're not asking you to necessarily forget what has happened to you, but to come to a place where you can humbly forgive someone else. Um, There are always consequences for actions, and trust takes time to be rebuilt. There's a whole nother lesson in this little bit of forgiveness. But we know that the couples who thrive the most are those that can learn to forgive. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, the importance of asking for forgiveness, and then just remembering yeah, forgiveness is ongoing and active. It's ongoing and active. And so uh, I, I think for those of us who, who uh, don't have the, for, the ability to forgive or be forgiven, honestly, it makes marriage really tough, okay? Because we are broken people, we're full of hurts, and we all know hurt people hurt people. And so in your relationships, one of the best things you can do is to be, be eager to forgive fully, freely, unpunishingly from the heart. Okay, it'll be a huge thing for your relationship. And so we want to give you a time right now, take a break to talk through kind of these five mistakes as a group, talk to your leaders, give them a chance to share, give you a chance to share, and then we're going to come up and kind of close out with those last five common mistakes. So have some fun at the table.
0: Überlebensradar. <laughs>
2: mayday mayday hello can you hear us can you hear us can you ah. Over. we
1: are thinking we
2: are thinking hello this is the German Coast Guard we are thinking wow. we're thinking what are you thinking about <laughs>
1: Oh yes, see communication—it's important, right? Very important. All right, so hopefully you guys had some good discussion. Uh, we're gonna go right into mistake number six. Don't forget texting questions if you want. The number is on the screen. Uh, but mistake number six is this: you blame your spouse as the main reason you fight. Okay, and, and honestly, like this has been the issue from the beginning, right? Adam, like he goes, it was this woman that you gave to me, right? In the garden, like we're just really good at blaming the other person for the reason that we fight. And yet in James, it honestly like lays out for us, hey, the reason why we fight. And in James 4, 1 and 2, it says, what causes quarrels and fights? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. And, and so the big thing here with mistake number six, is the reason we fight is because we're selfish. Right? It's not our spouse. Honestly, we're our biggest marriage problem. Okay? It's not our circumstances. It's us. And, and honestly, the sooner we realize that, the better. Um, because it, it just really does help if you can begin to kind of go, no, no, I'm the chief of sinners. Okay, and there's probably something that is my fault in this, and beginning to own that is huge. And, and so just remembering, too, like, hey, the good of the relationship should always take precedence over the immediate need of the individual. Okay, that's just a huge thing I think that's been helpful for us.
2: And mistake number seven is to avoid structure when you're conflicting. Um, Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. So we want to share something called active listening, or sometimes people call it the speaker-listener technique, um, and this is going to be strange. So I'm just going to tell you that from the beginning. Even thinking about having structure around the conversation that is a conflict seems a little bit odd, but I'm going to share the rules for you, and we're going to ask that you just kind of hang with us and trust us and don't make too much fun of us. So <laughs> and the rules for the speaker are that you speak only for yourself. You can't mind read for the other person. You speak in short phrases and you stop often so the other person can paraphrase what you're saying. The rules for the listener are to paraphrase what you hear and not give a rebuttal. And also not be thinking about what you would say if you could give a rebuttal.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's some of us like we're loading our gun and we're just waiting for them to stop. It's like, okay, is that it? Is that it? Boom! You know, and then we're ready to just kind of unload like on them, like. Oh, yeah? You think so?
2: But rather, we would like for the listener to actually be focused on what the speaker's saying. And then the rules for both of you is that the speaker has the floor, and the speaker keeps the floor, even when the listener's paraphrasing, and then the speaker shares the floor. So this all just seems really odd. Yeah,
1: it'll feel like for you guys, it probably feels forced. You're kind of like, oh, it's going to take too long. And so just remember in all this, like these are training wheels that you'll take off um, at some point. And and so what we want to do tonight, is just kind of give you an example of this. And so we thought we would do an example around something that hopefully some of you can relate to. Some of you are just dating. You're not engaged yet. Um, But this could be a someday for you. And it's just the conflict that arises when you're putting together the wedding guest list. Okay, so conflict that arises when putting together the wedding guest list. And action.
2: Hey, I'm still waiting for you to get me the addresses for our wedding guest list. All right. Well, when do you think you're going to have them ready? I'm, I'm concerned we're going to miss the deadline.
1: I mean, I'll just, I'm trying to have them done when I have them done.
2: That's not going to work because my aunt Biddy needed them like two weeks ago and she's going to do all the little hand calligraphy on them with the envelopes. Oh
1: my gosh, why are we doing these by hand again? It's 2015.
2: Well, my mom and I think that would be a really nice touch.
1: Oh, my gosh. Last time I checked, your mom's not the one getting married, and that control freak needs to stay out of our special day. <laughs> Freeze it, right? How many of y'all saw it? No, you're like, that's not, that wasn't right, was it? No, that's the wrong way to do it, okay? So we'll rewind it back, and then we're going to kind of show you, okay, so what does that look different when it comes to speaker-listener technique? So rewind back, <laughs> There you go.
2: Hey, babe, I'm waiting for you to get me those addresses for the wedding guest list. Okay, When you just say okay but you don't actually get the addresses together, it makes me feel like the wedding day is not as important to you as it is to me.
1: So what I hear what I hear you saying is that when I since I haven't gotten these lists of names and everything together for you, that it it makes you feel like I'm disinterested in in the wedding day.
2: Yes, and I have a major concern that we're gonna miss the deadline, they're not gonna be out in time, and then there's gonna be people that aren't gonna be able to come to the wedding.
1: So what I hear you saying is you're concerned, we're gonna be late in getting these out, um, and you think some people may not be able to come to our special day.
2: You are, yes. Would you like to help me understand what you're thinking?
1: Sure, I think so. I mean, like, honestly, with, like, graduation and finals and everything coming up, I just I haven't had a lot of time to kind of get the word out on that.
2: Okay, so I hear you saying that you don't have a lot of spare time.
1: Yeah, it's been tough. And, and then I think, too, like, my friends aren't great at, at getting back to me.
2: So, you, I hear you saying that you've actually asked for some and they're just not getting back to you.
1: Yeah, a few. I've reached <laughs> out to a few. Um, but uh, honestly, I, I think I could, I could do a lot better job of, of really reaching out to people. And, and I, I think what I'm realizing is that it is a priority to you and it is a priority to me. And I want you to know that. And it's going to be a special day.
2: Okay. And then you can go make out together. But I only w- stay at the certain number on whatever your list Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. List yeah, is. we don't. We don't want to get in trouble with Scotty, so yeah, it's good. Dang, babe, we're not going to get asked back. Okay. (laughs) But I
2: I do want to say that this seems so awkward, but the other day we got into a conflict and he speaker-listenered me before I even had a chance to be angry at him, and I was kind of annoyed at it. I was like, you just speaker-listenered me. I didn't even have a chance to be angry, and he was like, (laughs) and it was just over. I mean, it just just died.
1: That's good. Yeah. So yeah, it is, it feels contrived, it feels mechanical, like it's Mr. Roboto, whatever, and that's okay, again, it's just something that you can get better at, and it kind of becomes more natural with time, um, and, and so it's something you've got to practice, and so if you want to go back, find a conflict that's already resolved, okay, don't, don't try to do this with one that isn't resolved, but find one that's already resolved, and go back and just kind of talk through it, man, it's a fun date, okay, just a great date night, doing a little speaker-listener technique, you know, you you guys will love it. But I I think the big thing in this is just, man, most unresolved issues in marriage uh, stem, honestly, from each person's inability to effectively hear what the other person is saying, and more importantly, why they're saying it. And so speaker-listener technique, it does. It gives you the opportunity to put the needs of the other person before your own right? It's, it's you living out Philippians 2 and, and, and just in humility regarding one another's needs ahead of your own. Um, and so just, if you're kind of at that place where you're not fighting now, like, hey, file that away. If you are kind of seeing yourself in that a lot, just take some time to do that. If, if you get stuck, invite some other people in to help you kind of talk through stuff like that together. It's helpful too. So. Okay. Good.
2: Mistake number eight is that you don't ever take a time out. And a lot of reasons uh, that we hear that people don't do this is because people are k- kind of confused about Ephesians 4.26 that says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. If you look at the verse for the words that are there, it says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. The sun can go down on a conflict. It's okay to take a time out and to stop arguing about something for a while and to come back to it at another time. Um, so we want to make sure that we don't abuse the words that are in that verse. But So we have some specific examples that we have learned in our marriage that are not good times to have hard conversations. So um, the first one is if you are hungry. Um, Lay lack,
1: off <laughs> me. I'm starving, right?
2: A lack of food will um, reveal the depth of your heart very quickly, and it's not always very pretty. Um, so if you're hungry or even if you're just hurting, maybe you're in pain or you've just had surgery, whatever, just hurting and hungry, That not good times to have major conflict issues to resolve. Um, Angry, which kind of goes with hungry. If you combine them, you make hangry. So either of those work. Um, But if you're angry, then it's not a good time to conflict. You're not going to have a healthy discussion about it. So you need to take a time out so that you can calm down and have the conflict at a time when you're not so emotionally uh, charged. Um, another one is when you're late to something or you're lost, which typically if you're lost, you're late. So they Whoa. go hand in hand as well.
1: I can't tell you how many fights my parents had with this huge <laughs> map opened up just trying to get to Six Flags, you know, as kids. And we'd, I'd just be like, oh, gosh, the marriage is over. It's over. And we're late and we're lost. And my dad doesn't want to get directions. And, like, I woke up one time and thought we were at Six Flags because I, like, saw this, like, little guy and, like, a, like, what I thought was a ride. But we were, like, just looping the airport. You know, and it was this little monorail guy, like, you know, sitting there driving the little thing. And I was like, we're there. You know, my parents are yelling back and forth and it's just late, lost, <laughs> doesn't end well for Not sure. Not a
2: good time. The other one is when you're tired. When you're tired, you don't make sense. Nothing makes sense when you're exhausted and you're really easily irritable. And Lance hates this one because if we're in a conflict late at night, I typically am like, we're going to bed. Like, I love you. We're on the same team. Good night. We'll talk about this tomorrow.
1: And I lay there like this. Oh, my gosh, I really want to talk about that. I'm (laughs) I'm wide awake.
2: So, but those four things, hungry, angry, late, lost, and tired, all spell halt. Just stop, take a time out, come back to it at another time.
1: Um, And so, some of you, you're like me, and you're going, hey, I like to resolve these types of things. I think the most important thing that Mandy has done with me is just being able to say, hey, I do want to have this conversation. I love you. And we we will work through this. But just tonight is just not the best time for us to do this. And so if she can tell me that, like, then I can kind of rest easy and go, okay, we're going to be fine. It's going to work out. We'll talk about it tomorrow.
2: And I have a friend, this just happened last week. I have a friend that they're really struggling in this area when they are in an argument. He doesn't speak at all. And she was saying, it's just so hard. I, I, like, physically get sick and I can't sleep. And I'm like, that's what Lance was like before I realized that I need to tell him. I love you. We're on the same team and we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll get back on that page. For her, what that relationship is lacking is that commitment because we made vows together. So it doesn't matter what this conflict is. We're still going to be married tomorrow. I'm not leaving this relationship. And so when you have that commitment piece, then it's easy to say that to one another, even when you disagree. And even when you're frustrated with one another. It's, it's okay to go, you know what? I vowed to stay with you for better, or for worse. This is kind of worse, but I'm still going to be married to you in the morning. So let's go to bed, and let's talk about it when we're in a healthy spot.
1: It's good. Yeah, and so I think sometimes one of the best things you can do when you're fighting is just to stop fighting, right? <laughs> Seems pretty simple, right? But that's what a timeout is, okay? It's not this Timeout. You're like, well, my parents used to send me to timeout, so that makes me think you're belittling me. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. Honestly, with the timeout, we kind of have some rules that we would say, hey, kind of follow these rules. Number one is honor the request. Okay, so if 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 someone says, hey, we just need to take a timeout, let's talk about this a different time. This isn't a time for you to go. You're withdrawing. You avoider. You know, like getting like kind of bent out of shape and like no, like angry about that. No, you don't do that. If you're someone who is a withdrawer and avoider timeouts aren't a way to spite your spouse, okay, where you're just kind of like, oh, timeout, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, you know, and just kind of like, they told us, they told us we could do timeouts. Now, so the way timeouts work, it, it, seek God during the timeout, okay, a timeout isn't a time where you're going to go write out every area that you're frustrated with your spouse, everything that's wrong about them, every way they've messed up your relationship. Instead, a timeout should be a time where you draw this circle around yourself, and you work on everything inside that circle, And you look for ways to go, hey, what do I need to own in this? Okay, it's you living out Matthew 7 and say, hey, I want to remove the log from my own eye before I address the speck in my spouse's eye or my neighbor's eye, okay? Uh, Third thing is the one who calls the time out, proposes the time to start up again, okay? And so as we mentioned, it's not a way to get out of the conversation, but it's a break to come under the Spirit, okay, to own your part, to seek forgiveness. And so uh, I think, like we've mentioned, hey, I love you. We will work this out. Um, Todd Wagner, who's our pastor here, says it this way. He says, the goal of a timeout is not to see who can win or hold out the longest, but to see who can come under the Holy Spirit most quickly. Okay, it really is. To be able to just sit there and kind of go, man, what's my part? And can I go to them in humility, go first again, and, and own my part, ask for forgiveness in those times. So,
2: Mistake number nine is forget that timing and environment matter. Um, Colossians 4, six says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And um, Proverbs 25.11, I just love this proverb. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And um, a word can't be aptly spoken if you say it in the wrong environment or um, in the wrong timing. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is just, that trick that I taught you earlier, just push your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and make a mental note. Like we need to talk about what just happened, but this isn't the right time to do it. And um, the best example I have of this is, um, there's a couple of times in our marriage, probably, probably more than a couple <laughs> that, um, I, could,
1: I can't even remember them. Uh-huh,
2: that, um, that I would bring up something as he's walking out the door to work or to a meeting or to something that he needed to be at, which is just putting him in a lose-lose situation. That is a a timing error on my part because it's something that needs to be discussed, but I'm throwing it at him at a time where he has to make a, a choice. He has to choose to be late to a meeting or choose to let his wife down, and that's not setting my husband up for success. So that's our best timing example of just is this really the best time that we're going to be able to give to this. Um, Environment-wise, there's a lot of times that something might happen when we're out with other people or up here at the church with other, um, you know, watermark staff or something, and I'm offended or he's offended or something's said, and we're not going to bring it up in that moment with all those people in that environment, but it's something that we can talk about later. And...
1: I, feel like, I feel like a lot of our newly marrieds, the, one of the things they talk about is like, yeah, like, so when we're going to the, we visit our in-laws and the holidays and stuff, like, I feel like always I bring stuff up in the car, and then by the time we get there, like, we're just exploding and just raging on each other. It's like, well, probably stop bringing that up in the car. You know, like, just maybe a couple of weeks earlier, let's talk about that and kind of give some time to to kind of think about it. So timing environment, huge.
2: So the big point here is just that telling someone the truth is not optional. We want you to have those hard conversations. We want you to press in and, and conflict in a healthy way. But your method and your timing are always an option. So make sure that you choose those wisely.
1: Good. All right, you guys have held on. We're on mistake number 10, the last of the evening for you guys, so way to go. Um, this one is that you never ask others to help. Okay, again, that's a mistake, that you would never ask others to help. Um, Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17 kind of gives us a framework for this. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Okay, so the important thing here is, hey, if you're stuck, bring others in. If you're stuck, bring others in. And, and I think... One of the pitfalls in this sometimes, especially when you're, you're newly married, like for those of you ladies, you have a great relationship with your mom, okay, and, and, and this first fight happens, all of a sudden you call, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, and here's what he's done, and, and all of a sudden it's like, blah, 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 and you're bad-mouthing your spouse, and, you, and all of a sudden all your mom's hearing is these negative things about your spouse, and then like next time you go to visit him, you're like, I just don't know why she hates him. <laughs> like... All, all she's heard is just the bad and the hurt and the pain that he's caused. And so as much as you want to run to your parents when those types of situations, guys could be the same thing for you. Like as much as you want to do that, that may not be best. Okay, so when we say if stuck, bring others in. You know, knowing who you're going to bring in. You want to bring in people to that relationship who have your best interests in mind, who are for your relationship, for both of you, right? Yeah, that not just someone that you go, okay, I'm trying to, I need to find people who are going to be on my team, right? And all of a sudden you're drawing this battle line and you're finding these people who are going to agree with you and like, oh, that's awful and he's terrible. Leave him, you know, and like, like all these different things. and Like don't, that's not the people you want to go to. You want to have trusted people that you can go, hey, when we know when we go to you, you care for us and you care for the vows that we made, rich or poor, sickness and health, better or for worse. And you're holding us to those, okay? So when you're stuck, bring others in. And here's why, because sin blinds us. It does. Our, our sin blinds us. And the first person that blinds is, is me. Okay? I'm blind to that. And so I've got to bring other people in who can see my blind spots, who can see the junk that's in my life, and, um, and just kind of help me point those things out. I, I think for us, you know, if you get stuck, if you find yourself in that same fight over and over and over again, and it kind of feels like a doom loop, you're like, we just can't resolve this. Like, bring someone else in that can kind of see both sides. Right? Who's able to kind of go, hey, Lance, that, you sound really selfish here. Oh, really? You know, like, that's what she's saying. And, you know, are you with her? You know, it's like, ah! You know, no, it's like, okay, man. And you want people that you trust. And the same way for her, hey, maybe I, I think you could give an inch there. I think you're not being willing to compromise in that area. And so just widening that circle, inviting trusted people in, is huge. Okay? And we need that. We need the truth of God's word. And a lot of times that being delivered from people outside of us. With our foundation groups, which is what I lead over here at Watermark, which are just their community groups of of like-minded couples who have a mentor couple who's walking through those early stages of marriage, helping you to get established. And and I think one of the things that I I hear those couples say all the time is, hey, we love our leaders uh, because they tell us what we need to hear, not always what we want to hear. Okay? And I will just tell you, you will respond poorly to that at times which then is a time for you to go back and to go, hey, I need to ask your forgiveness. I am really sorry for the way that I responded to that. That was truth. That is me. Um, You know, and and just own your part in that. And so it is so great to have people around you. In fact, one of the things I would tell you, I I mean, if you're plugged in here at Watermark, man, please come check out these foundation groups if you get married and you're jumping in here. Um, If you aren't here, I would just say find people who you trust who love Jesus, who who are going to point you to the truth of of God's Word, who are going to point you to things that are going to help you in your relationship. Because what happens so many times is couples get isolated, they get alone, they think their problems are unique, and all of a sudden you see them go down this path where they just kind of lead off into different directions. Whereas if you've got people who are investing in your relationship, who care about you, they're always going to be pointing you back to Jesus, which is going to then point you back you know, to bring you back in close together. And so, so huge to ask for help, to invite other people in. Um, And so just living in that kind of humble, honest community is huge. And it, it really is. Like, this is a way for you guys, your way you communicate with one another, it's a way for you to be set apart, right? The way you handle conflict, where other people start to go like, hey, why, how do you forgive the way that you forgive? I, I tell me how I it just, that's baffling to me the way you show mercy, the way you show grace. And you go like, man, it's because I myself have been forgiven much, right? And a person that can really see that to look deep down and go like, man, God has forgiven me so much. You know, is someone who that can forgive well. And so I just don't lose sight of how your conflict and the way you communicate with, with your spouse, with your friends, with your coworkers can point other people to the gospel, it really is. It's a cool opportunity that y'all have. And so see it as that, an opportunity, not something that's a roadblock. So cool. All right, Scotty. We is, uh, we is done. Yes. Yeah.
0: All right, a couple questions came in. Um, how do you transition? This is a great question. How do you transition from conflict in a car ride To quote, putting on a good face when you arrive to wherever you're going. You don't want to be, (laughs) that's a laugh of familiarity there, you don't want to be the death of the party, but also don't want to be fake.
1: It's true. Um, So I would just say, probably one of the last things you want to do is to pray together (laughs) in that type of situation, but probably one of the best things you could do is just to pray together. Like, just to kind of go, hey, Lord, we are on different pages right now. Father, we know that you desire for us to, to be unified, that you desire for us to be, um, you know, just the, even the thing, like, you think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, like, you know, we know that that's your desire for us in our relationship, um, and that's ultimately where we want to be right now. We don't feel like we're there, um, and I would just say that's a huge, that would be a huge thing for us. Um, I, I think there's some people, too, that, I mean, there's times where we've shown up places, and like, hey, I know, like, you know, always for us leading our foundation group, like, the night we're about to lead that thing, we've had some huge blow-up fight. And so there's, there's times where we've just said... So
2: they're walking in the door and we're like, hey.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and so th- there's just times where you just go, hey, it's okay to let people know. Like, hey, th- you know, we're, we're just kind of on different pages right now. And, and we still want to jump in. We want to have fun. That's not a time if you see your spouse, like, actually having fun at that party to be like... I can't believe this. We're in a fight, and he's like trying to have fun. You know, it's like, no, don't take that against him. But, but we've just found to be open and honest with that stuff, to be able to talk through that. Um, it just brings light to that. Um, and I also think people relate to that a lot better than they do perfection. And you on this pedestal, they're like, man, they're just always so happy, and nothing's ever wrong.
2: Yeah. So. I was going to say, I'm, I'm really bad. You, I wear my emotions right on my shoulder all the time, so everybody always knows how... How Mandy's doing, you know. Nobody really ever has to ask, Um, and so when I'm in that situation, I'm usually pretty honest. Like, uh, you know, we just got a really big argument. This is really hard, you know. I'm I'm trying to have a good time, and typically it leads to like a really great conversation. And those those nights at Foundation Group, those were some of our best nights because they got to see. This is what marriage is. This is what we're going through right now. This is how we're conflict. We've actually resolved conflict in front of our Foundation Group before, and. That's good for them, and it's good for us, and everybody grows. So, I, it's good. It's probably not what that person wanted to hear. No, but.
0: it's, it's well, well said. All right. So, is there ever a good time? You, you addressed this a little bit, but let's come back to it. Is there ever a good time to take a pause in a fight, or should you always work to reconcile, no matter what the circumstances?
2: And I feel like we did we did cover that. I don't know if that question came in before.
0: I don't know, but just say it again. It'd be good for them to hear. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, I do. There's um, four main times that we are sure that we really do take a pause, and we covered those if you're hungry, angry, late, lost, or tired. Those are times that we know that we need to break. Sometimes we have to take a break now because we have kids. For those of you that already have children, there are going to be times where you're like, we can't have this conversation right this minute. This particular conflict can't take place in front of our kids um, and it needs a better time. So there are going to be times where you need to pause from conflict. The important part is that it's just a pause because a lot of times people will take a pause and then they're just kind of like, oh good, she didn't bring it up again. We don't need to go back there. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's, the important thing is to circle back.
1: Yeah. And setting that time to talk about it. Some of you, the question then becomes "To hey, what if they don't bring it back up? And, but they're the one that called the time Can I go into their timeout and say, hey, the timeout's over, by the way. Let's talk. You know, you're like, how do you do that and not be a jerk face, right? And so I just think realizing, like, it's very important if you call the timeout that you would say, hey, this is when I want to talk about it. If you're not ready to talk about it, let them know, hey, here's kind of where I'm at. Here's what I'm processing. And I I still think I need a little bit more time, Um, you know, and then set another time.
2: And you need to know, too, For there's been several seasons in our marriage, and it ebbs and flows, but there have been a few conflicts that were very hard for me to vocalize how I was feeling about it. And he gave me the freedom and the opportunity to write down what I was thinking. And that was a big game changer for us during some of those really hard conflicts um, because we weren't super great at speaker-listener then. And so I never felt like my voice got across, but when I wrote it down, I felt like I said everything I wanted to say, and he couldn't change it or hear it differently. It was... It was written down, and it was there. And that really got us through some of the bigger conflicts that were harder for us to resolve.
0: Yeah, yeah explain. So along with those lines, explain Ephesians four twenty six: Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So does that mean at night Lance and Mandy get into an argument, and it's Which 11 o'clock often. at night? Let's say hypothetically you get into an <laughs> argument about something. Yeah, I've just never heard and of And it's 11 o'clock at night, and you start resolving the conf- conflict. And before you know it, it's midnight, and you're still frustrated. Do you stay up? Until the morning or how do you, I think that's probably what, what's at play here as well, yes. is how long do you go before you just say, yeah. let's finish this tomorrow? What does well, that look like? And
2: we do this often. I, I guess because we have kids now, that's just the only time to talk. And so we'll start a conversation at 930 yeah. and it'll be 11 and we're still, you know, back and forth about it. And, um and I just don't make a lot of sense, and I get really emotional when I'm tired. And so we we take a break. That is hard on him. So if I know it's a conflict that we can probably resolve before bedtime, then I'm going to make an effort to do that, because he can't stand it. He really he doesn't sleep if we can't resolve the conflict. And so I know that about him, and I care about him enough to make it happen if we can. If I know this is something we're going to go around about for a while, we got to go to bed. We're going to yeah. talk about it later.
1: I think there does there just becomes a point too where you go. We are just we're in this doom loop and we're, we're not getting anywhere. I'm not, I'm not really seeking to understand. I just want to win whatever those times. And if you can tell that on one another, it's like, Hey, this doesn't make a ton of sense. Like I am. And again, re just reminding ourselves, Hey, I'm I'm committed to you. I'm committed to walking through this. That's the huge part in that. I think affirm the relationship and find another time to have it.
0: Good. Uh, two questions very quickly. So this one person had a question about, Opposite sex boundaries and relationships. We're going to come back to that in week five, but this person is looking for some quick thoughts. How do you handle opposite sex relationships, maybe travel with someone of the opposite sex when you have different views about it? Maybe she thinks it's okay to whatever it may be on, on a trip together and he doesn't think it's okay. How do you resolve that when you have different boundaries or different expectations?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been something we've talked a lot about. I mean, we share passwords, you know, to everything. We've, um, you know, I don't ride in cars with people of the opposite sex. We don't, I don't try to go in people's houses, like people of the opposite sex. It's just me and them. Like, and so there's just been some weird times with some of her friends where they're like, I'm going to pick our kids up at their house and like, oh, just come on in. And I'm like, that's okay. yeah, just have them come to the door, you know, like things like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what's going- why is he doing that? And some of you are like, man, that dude is weird. Like, just for me, that's just like, I just, I know what I'm capable of. I know the level of my sin, and the level of my depravity, and just to go, hey, I don't want to give an inch there. Um, and so it's just somewhere I just go, hey, I want, to, I want to set these boundaries up and in place. Some of you, like I, you know, here I work at a church, there's times where we'll take three or four different cars because it's like, oh, well, we don't want to end up with just a guy and a girl in the same car together. Yeah. So I've got freedom there that some of you don't. Some of you are going, man, at work, I've got to travel with people of op- opposite sex. The biggest thing I think you can do is to have other people around you who you can bring into your life that both of you trust, that she trusts to go, hey, I know that those guys are going to ask you questions about how that trip went. I know that you're going to be honest. If there are any type of feelings that maybe you have for that person beyond, like sometimes our guys are like, hey, I'm going to this this lady, she's 85. like, I don't think I'm going to be tempted, you know. It's like, okay, that's good, man. Thank you for sharing, you know. And then there's other times you're like, man, yeah, like I'm I'm actually attracted to this person. And so for me, then I would need to, I wouldn't want to go to my guys and just kind of say, hey, here's the deal. I'm on this trip. Um, they would then probably help me set some boundaries to go, hey, you don't need to be up late with this person. I um, alcohol is another thing that I just think, man, be free in some areas, but there's other areas where I go, hey, you need to protect your relationship there because you're going to do some pretty dumb stuff when that gets involved. Um, and so just being aware of those things, bringing other people into the conversation, and then just avoiding, you know, those opportunities because it's easy to and,
2: and a lot of communication on this front. I mean, there have been some times where Lance will go to meet a couple at a coffee shop, and the wife shows up, but the husband doesn't. He, like, got caught in traffic, and he's, like, been sitting there with her for 20 minutes, you know, having coffee. I'll get this text message, phone call, whatever, and he's like, just had coffee with a lady for 20 minutes. Just want you to know in case anybody's like, saw Lance yeah, at the like coffee shop. Yeah, like, we're in our
1: neighborhood coffee shop, you know, yeah. like, oh, great, yes.
2: And so he communicates. <laughs> He communicates that. We have a friend that's a realtor, and his partner's a girl. They go door-to-door together, and that makes his wife uncomfortable. And so they have an agreement, like, I want you to just let me know, like, hey, I'm going door-to-door with so-and-so, you know, right now. We're starting right now. And then at the end, he's like, hey, we're all done, wrapped it up, no big deal, everything's cool. And they, yeah. that's, they've just agreed that that's just a good way to communicate on that, but that she's always in the loop on who he's spending his time that's with.
1: Good. Yeah, and the whole, like, hey, just had lunch with your wife today. You, you did wow, she didn't, she didn't tell me that, you know, <laughs> <She> <laughs> like, had lunch with like me. communicate those things first yeah. to before other people. I think it's huge. But And
2: I know cool. a lot of people think our boundaries are really strong, um, but we always like to talk about um, how it's like a fire, that a fire can be really warm and inviting and cozy and great, but not outside of the boundaries. When you take it outside of that fireplace or outside of that fire pit, it can be really destructive. And so that's why we put harsh boundaries around things like that, because he's worth it and our relationship's worth oh, it.
0: Oh, so cute. Thanks, they even man. wear matching jeans. Hey, can I kind of want to get out of here, you know. <laughs> You're wearing matching jeans, except Lance's don't do that at the bottom. Can, yeah. I, um, can I tell the, the uh, egg story? The what? From yesterday. Okay, so we live near one another. One of the questions that came in was how do you model conflict resolution for your kids and in front of your kids? And so I'm going to brag on them a little bit, so, uh, and I'll tell a story at the end of the night about how we do that in our house. But, you know, one of the things that I think is extremely helpful is to model this in front of children when you have kids in the future. If you've got them now or you have them down the road, is to not put on the face and just pretend. And so we talk about this all the time with our kids. You know, we talk about escalation and avoiding conflict. I have one child that as soon as anyone in our house gets into a conflict, he runs upstairs to the room and hides out there. (laughs) He cannot handle conflict. Can you guess which one? Yeah. 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 Good. And yeah. then uh and then so here's a great story. A couple days ago, um Mandy is over at our house hanging out with some moms in our neighborhood. Uh they've got a prayer group for our elementary school and um they've got one of their one of their children um the youngest one uh is gone for a few minutes and it's extremely quiet when he's gone and so nobody thinks anything never, out of it. Never never a good sign. Yeah, he's he's yeah. kind of loud and so um <laughs> And so later on that day, my wife goes into our twins' bedroom, and they have these things called confetti eggs. I don't know if you've seen those before, but they're eggs that, like, basically you can take an egg and crack it over someone's head, and it's not real egg. It's got confetti in it, and there is confetti all all over the floor. And these things are extremely valuable to my twins. Like, they've been saving them for a couple months for the right occasion, and all eight of them are gone. And so... Kristen, um, you know, Mandy says, you know, how'd Griffin do or something like that when she, he was at the house. And Kristen said, well, I just want you to know here's something he did, not tattling, but just as a way to, just so you know, this is something that happens. And so yesterday afternoon, about six o'clock, our, our doorbell rings and I look and I see Mandy and I see, uh, I see their youngest child. And he's got a container of eggs in his hands, not real eggs, confetti eggs. And he comes into our house and he marches up to the first twin, and he says, Drew, I'm sorry for breaking your confetti eggs. Will you forgive me? And so Drew says, of course, and he takes the eggs. And then he calls over Duncan, and Duncan comes over and says, Duncan, I'm sorry for breaking your eggs. Will you forgive me? And he does. And it's just like that. That's how they model this. Okay, the easy thing would be for Mandy to go buy a dozen confetti eggs, bring them to our house, and say, I'm so sorry. But instead, they model that by, by putting their kids and allowing them to see, here's what it looks like to humble yourself. Here's what it looks like to look someone in the eye and not just apologize, but ask for forgiveness. And so that, that's how you do This is not just for husband and wife. This is for children, for parents, for neighbors, for coworkers. If you resolve conflict well with coworkers, it will revolutionize your job. I'm telling you. And so one of the things you'll do in your homework is you will read through something called the Watermark Field Guide, Conflict Field Guide that will be extremely helpful for you, not just in marriage and not just in dating, but in all relationships of your life. So let's thank Lance and Mandy for leading us tonight. All right, you got uh, 21 minutes and then we'll wrap things up for the evening. Thanks. All right, a couple things real quick. So uh, next week is one of two weeks when we split up into men and women. It's role of the husband, role of the wife. It is one of two nights when we go until 8.45 at night. And so we want you to plan on that in advance. Your homework this week is very light, and so you're welcome, number one. Number two, remember that when you hate me because we give you a lot of homework other weeks. I think it will be very helpful, but it's lighter than most weeks. Uh, we're doing this thing called Merge Late Night on April 15th. Two weeks tonight, you'll get to hear from three, two or three couples who have uh, had affairs in marriage, and they want you to know what they wish they could do differently or what they wish they could have done on the pre-married side. It's a very powerful night. I love the couples that are part of that panel, and I think it would be great for you just to plan on that. So we go that night till 8.30, the usual time. And then uh, if you want to stick around, we go from about 8.40 until 9.30. It is incredibly authentic and real, and I think it will challenge you and also just give you a lot of hope and give you some things to make sure that you are careful of moving towards Marriage. If you don't have a home church and you are interested in coming this weekend, we do a Good Friday service on Friday from 12 to 1 here. And then we have services here in Dallas on Saturday and Sunday. If you're up north, we have uh, services at our Plano campus. If you're out west in Fort Worth, we have services out in Fort Worth, and so you can go to watermark.org. This would be a great week. We're not ever going to put pressure on you to come to a church, but I, but I want you to. I think it would be great for you to come this weekend on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You can find all the details online about when we're offering services. Um, one last story, just a little bit of application on this. So uh, my, my twins, uh, not my twins, my, one of my twins, and then uh, my middle one, so third one down, third out of four, so it's twins, eight-year-old, and then a six-year-old. Our eight-year-old has always been our most um, special slash challenging child. And so he tends to be in the middle of about 90% of our conflict with kids in the family. He's a sweet kid. He's grown a ton the last year. But he's the one that's often in the middle of the conflicts. And so one day I'm in one room and I'm watching them and I watch Carson reel back. I shouldn't have said his name. Third child, reel back and punch older brother kind of right between the legs and so older brother goes like this and starts speaking. You know, he's not old enough to speak in a high voice. I yeah, like that, but it hurts very clearly. And so he comes running over and he says, Daddy, third child's punched me between the legs. And I said, hey, buddy, third child, uh, I saw you do something to your brother. What did you, what'd you do? And he says, I didn't do anything. I said, come on now. I'm like right here. I saw it. And he says, nothing. I said, Carson child. I saw you punch him between the legs. And he says, oh yeah, I guess I did. And I said, well, what do you think you need to do? Apologize. And so said, that's right. You need to go apologize and ask for forgiveness for your brother. And so he goes over and he says, Duncan, I'm sorry for whatever I did and runs away. And so I'm like, that's not how this works. Let's talk through it and try to get him to be humble and to apologize. And I watch him, and I'm like, that's exactly what I do. So it's not the same for me and Kristen. I don't punch her in the other, you know, between the legs and then run to the other room. That would be a big problem. But, but I do act like a jerk to her. Okay, I, I'm prideful. I'm short-tempered. I'm selfish. I, I hurt her with my words. I know how to poke and prod and how to get under her skin, and so I do that because I can. And she'll do the same thing to me. And for some reason, it is so difficult to be humble with the person that we supposedly love more than anyone else in the world. And so you may not struggle with this yet, but you will get to that point if you move towards marriage where for some reason you know exactly how to push the buttons, you know how to frustrate them, you know how to get under their skin, and you are going to be prideful. And you're not going to apologize. You're not going to own your part. You are going to want to win. And that is why, among many other reasons, why couples who are married and often couples who are dating and engaged, why we struggle and why we conflict is because we're so prideful. Like if I, if I take off one of you, I will be very quick to apologize and ask for forgiveness. But for some reason, with the person I love more than anyone in the world, and I really, really do love Kristen, For some reason, it's so hard for me to be humble with her. And so I just want you to file that away because there are going to be times when you're going to want to be prideful and bow up and win. And I just want to tell you, that is not how you do marriage well. That's not how you act like Jesus with someone that you love and someone that you cherish and value. And so I just want to challenge you. One bonus thing as you think about everything else you learned is how can you be humble with the person that you are dating, how could you be humble with the person that you are engaged to? For leaders, same for you. Don't be prideful with your spouse. That's not how to honor them and to serve them. Okay, for some reason it's the person that gets under her skin and is the most difficult to apologize to and to be humble with. And so I, I just want to challenge you with that and I want you to file it away if you're not there yet. Because every couple I know struggles along those lines at some point or another. Okay, let me, uh, let me pray for you. I hope you have a great Easter week and uh, we'll see you back here next week till 8.45 talking about roles. So God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the Ciscos leading us. And God, I pray that we really would uh, honor you and honor each other in the way that we communicate in conflict. Help us to apply what we learned tonight. Help us to yield to the other person. Help us to be humble. Help us to not be prideful. Help us not to just say, I'm sorry for whatever I did, but actually to own our part God, I pray that all the couples in this room would conflict and communicate in a way that's just different from the rest of the world. So we just thank you for your word that guides us in the way that we communicate, the way that we have conflict with each other and help us to honor one another in the words that we speak and the tone we use. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week.